Hey guys, what you're listening to right now is actually the second part of our first episode. We're going to be talking about All-Star Batman, Regular Batman by Tom King, and The Ultimates. So, buckle up and enjoy. I'm going crazy cause real life sucks I might quit my job because I hate it so much But I got new books and like they're the best So let's talk about them cause I'm pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Alright, let's move on to a DC book What uh, What do you want to talk about? Uh, what did we have next? I guess next we would have All-Star Batman. What did you think of it? Sure. Um, I am definitely intrigued. Uh, I miss Scott Snyder's run on Batman, which apparently ran for a pretty long time and was very critically acclaimed. Uh, I didn't I didn't read it. Um, and so I thought it was interesting that he's back on another Batman book. Um, but... Uh, I like it a lot. I really like the storyline they're building, which is that uh, Two-Face has basically been collecting information about everyone in Gotham, all their search history, you know, everything they thought was protected. He has all the information. So did you find that, did you find that like, like believable or, I don't know, for me it just seemed a little bit like forced almost. Like, oh yeah, Two-Face just knows everything about everybody. Just because what I was hoping was that that had been introduced previous. Uh, I was hoping that maybe that's been like Two Face's thing in the DC universe for a while now. Because if they were just introducing for this for the first time, yes, it was very rushed. They were just like, "Hey, by the way, he's got everything because of him being the DA." Like, yeah, I don't as know the if DA. I don't know if that created, has been kind of like explored elsewhere, and I just haven't seen it. But for me, this was my first time encountering that angle on his character. So yeah. I was I was kind of just like, well, I mean, okay, whatever, I guess. Yeah, it was pretty rushed, but my big issue with with this uh with this story was that so so he says, you know, I've got information on everybody. Uh if you don't free me from Batman, I am going to release it. And so everybody starts turning on Batman. Well, plus he offers diner. them he offers them the fortunes of the three biggest crime bosses in Gotham. Which, oh, that's right. Which he is another thing money. that it's like, okay, so I guess Two-Face just has just access to Penguin's money. Cool, I guess, whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. But then at the end, it's revealed that Alfred turned on Batman. Yeah. Alfred's like, I'm so sorry, sir. It turns out Alfred's the one that guns down Batman's ship and is like, I, I don't buy that. Yeah, that was I a don't bit buy much for that. me, too. Like, Alfred would die before he would betray the Wayne family. Like, I that's the whole thing with Alfred, is that, like, he is Batman's rock. He is the one that's there, like... You know, he's devoted to the Wayne family. And to say, like, oh, Two-Face just all of a sudden threatens, I'm going to give out your search history and give you millions of dollars. And Alfred's like, yep, I'm shooting down the bat plane. So here's that what, was a here's, little much. So I had a big problem with that at first, too. Uh, but ultimately, I kind of went back and looked at it again. The way that I'm kind of reading that is that he did not intend to actually kill Batman. But from the very beginning, he was kind of like, Hey, don't do this. This is a bad idea. Just let Two Face right. do what he wants. I think he was just trying to interfere with the mission and stop, yeah, uh, stop Bruce from going any further with it. And he thought, you know, if I can take down the Bat Plane, maybe he'll just sort of give up. I think. Yeah. I All think I'm saying is Alfred. Like- Alfred knows Batman and knows the tech and so forth well enough to understand what he can survive and what he can't. So, you know, yeah. I don't I don't think this is a thing where Alfred was like, well, I guess I better kill Bruce. Um, no, that's that's true. I all I'm saying is like they better give him something good that he's been hiding. Like they better justify the hell out of this by like but maybe showing was, us well, whatever But maybe was. he was trying in doing that. He was actually trying to save Bruce, you know, from from continuing with this mission that he, Alfred, thought from the beginning, this is suicide. This is a death trap that you're So you mean into. like sh- shooting him down in kind of the rural diner area away from probably a lot of the more deadly supervillains. Right. Yeah. That's my take on it. And I, I'm still, yeah. I, it's still a little weird and, and like I haven't fully digested it, but I can kind of, I can kind of understand it a little bit better when you, when you put it that way. 
Yeah. It 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 definitely does seem to move a little fast. It was kind of a lot of information, uh, especially regarding Two Face all at once. Um, but uh, what did you think of it's, the? It's good. What did you think of the Two Face design? Um, is is this new? This new is this a new Two Face design? Yeah, I believe. I mean, I, I'm assuming this is the the new the rebirth. You know, Two Face that we're that okay. we're getting now. Um, I thought it was good. Uh, like I said, I'm not too costume picky like a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I think I thought it looked pretty good. I liked having the white hood on him with only the one eye hole when he was in the bat plane. I thought that looked pretty cool. Yeah, that was uh, quite vague. Although, I wasn't sure. I mean, I didn't even know at that point. I wasn't sure who that was. Yeah, that was the one thing about it is that for a while I was like, wait, is this scarecrow who yeah is like, I, like i honestly my first reading on this book i spent a lot of it being kind of like what's going on yeah and part of that is just the way they kind of like jumped around in the timeline um yeah and i think they that was just obviously just a creative choice they were trying to make to make it more interesting for me it didn't quite work but maybe that's just because i'm slow and i i didn't pick up on certain <laughs> things um but and and then there was also that bit at the beginning where Batman comes crashing through the wall or the window of the diner and he's yep. kind of in a fight with uh, Firefly and Killer Moth and they're saying, you know, they're going to torch the place and kill everybody or whatever and Batman is kind of like looking at everybody like, nobody's going to die here today and like winks at him and stuff and I was like, this doesn't seem like Batman and I thought there was yeah. going to be a reveal where we were going to find out, oh, it's Dick Grayson in the bat suit for some reason. Uh, and yeah, then- Batman does seem a little more jokey than I, I kind of felt that too. Like there's that one part part where he's talking about how moths, you know, live less than a yeah. week. And he's like, he's like, I mean, really, once they reach maturity, their only job is to shut up and die. Which again, and I was like, seems more like that a, doesn't sound like a Batman thing to say. It sounds more like a, one of the Robins talking, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel like, it's so weird that like Scott Snyder who has been writing Batman for so long. I mean, again, I didn't read the run. Maybe the run was filled with Batman quotes like that, but it, it, it rang pretty inauthentic. Yeah. And, and definitely when you juxtapose it next to the Tom King, you know, the current Batman series, it's like, there's this kind of disconnect there where they don't really seem like the same person. Yeah. They feel like different Batman. I did really like uh, the kind of like let's do Killer Moth and Firefly and um, oh shoot what is it Black Spider all together kind of like these bug themed assassins and I, I kind of liked the designs it was to me it seemed a lot different from anything else I've seen for Firefly uh, but I thought it was pretty cool the way they went with that yeah uh, I liked the part where you know we get Batman uh, taking. Like, everybody thinks Batman's dead because the trucker guy shot him, but then Batman just, like, pulls Dent down into the field and just kind of disappears with him, and that's, like, a classic Batman. Like, oh, you thought I was down, but then I pulled this off and just disappeared, you know? Uh, And it's kind of left open to interpretation. Like, how did he even just do that? I thought that was pretty good. That was, yeah. I I mean, for all the the sort of complaints and questions we have about this book, I, I'm going to keep reading it. I mean, I thought it was exciting. Yeah. Uh, some really great art in it. Um, I'm definitely intrigued enough to keep reading. I would say I don't like it as much as the core Batman book, which we're going to get into. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's still good. Also, there's uh, Duke, who I don't know who Duke is, but he's also in the other Batman book. Uh, he's a character that's new to me, but now he's in this like yellow Power Ranger looking Batman suit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess we'll see what that's all about. And he's like, he's like, so should I call you Robin? And Batman's like, I'm trying something new, Jim, something better. I yeah. hope. And yeah. it's like, all right. He let's... keeps saying that. It's funny to me. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm also not really big on that costume that Duke wears. Yeah, this like yellow. Uh, it's kind of like Power re- Ranger thing. redundant. How he's got like the bat symbol is like his visor thing that he looks through, but then he's also got the bat symbol on his chest. It kind of looks funny. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping maybe they'll change that up a little bit. But I like yeah. the, I like the character and I like the uh, relationship between him and Batman so far. I think that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, and there's that. Uh, Really gruesome end story. Yeah, the, uh, what did, Declan what, Shalvey. I wanted to get into that too. Uh, what did you think? There. What did you think about that? 
I was honestly more interested in that than I was the core story. I think it's it's feels more a little bit more like classic Batman to me. You've got like you know uh, a crime him, scene being investigated. Yeah, investigating the crime scene, and it's like a, a garish kind of colorful. Uh, over-the-top crime scene, like, typical of, like, a classic Batman villain. And they've all been, like... He he says they've been cut with this torturing method called stilling with, yeah. like, all these cuts all over their bodies where if they move, they'll bleed out. And there's this really gruesome last panel of this woman with cuts all over her face. Yeah, which, like, hurt um, to even look at, but I, I liked it, yeah. too. I thought it was very effective. It, this felt more Batman than the preceding story. And it's it's the same writer... Uh, but sort of the, yeah, I think what you said with him, like investigating the crime scene done by an over the top killer, uh, felt, felt better for me. And um, I really, and also want, there's that really cool shot of that back cave. I really want the killer, uh, from that last little bit there to be Zaz, but I don't think it will be because he specifically says this looks like Zaz. So I think that had to be some, you think they're going to subvert it. Yeah. I think that was misdirection, but I'm still kind of like hoping it's Zaz because I really would like to see a good Zaz story. I've never read a Zaz story, so I would be down for that too. Yeah. He's a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't understand what the hell that color wheel thing was all about that he was talking about where he's like Damien leans green and, uh, Dick leans blue, no. and I'm I'm just like, so what? Like, what is it exactly? It's it's never really explained. Hopefully, that will get, you know, maybe that will end up being some big clue or some uh, thread through the the whole story. Yeah, sounds like this is going to continue in the in the back pages of uh, the issues going forward. But the other thing I wanted to say from from before that little second mini story at the end, um, at the end of the main storyline with with Two Face and all that, when they get into the truck and they're driving away, and it gives you the little mile count at the bottom. Oh uh, yeah, like how how far has he gone and how far does he have to go? And and you see the gentleman ghost on the back of the truck. Uh, yeah, I was really excited for that because I would love to see a good uh, gentleman ghost story as well. So I'm very excited for the next issue. I'm hoping. Uh, it'll be a little bit better than this first one because there were just a, yeah. there were you know a few things that I just wasn't crazy about. I just really like the narrative conceit of like where it's like miles traveled one miles to go four ninety seven. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good hook where it's like all this stuff that he's been through in this first issue and he's still got 497 more miles to go. Like right. it's a good way of showing you like there's a lot more in store, you know? So right. And it's really just was- hammering home the point of like, this guy's crazy. This is a suicide mission. He shouldn't even be doing it, but he's doing it because right. he's Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely going to keep reading. Yeah. Same. Cool. Should we tackle uh, ultimates? Let's tackle ultimates. Let's uh oh boy. for ultimates, I'm going to start Lay it Let's on start me, with pro- you. Professor DeShane. Oh, you you want me to me to go through well, it? Well, so ul- okay, so I'll I'll give a, a quick cursory, I guess, uh, explanation. Yeah, let me know let me know your thoughts cuz I for the for the listener, I gave the ultimates cuz I think it, it's one of the best books out there right now, and I went back through it today sort of issue by issue and realized how expert level Marvel universe this is. Like it tackles all the cosmic characters, like the universe itself, the Shi'ar, Are you talking uh, chaos about and you, order. When you say the universe itself, do you mean eternity? Yeah, eternity is like in shackles. Yeah. Uh, and chaos and order fighting Galactus and the Shi'ar getting upset about the cosmic cube. It talks about the ending of secret wars, uh, you know, there, there's a lot, a lot of stuff in here. And I didn't realize it when I, when I gave it to you. Well, and there's so all let these me get very you. abstract, convoluted explanations of these really deep sci-fi concepts that I know nothing about. Oh, yeah, about. This, this is real heady sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so what, what's your impression of it, going through it cold and uh, being completely overwhelmed? Okay, so... I mean, first thing I want to say is overall, I do like it, even though I don't understand a lot of what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like the characters. I think they're interesting. This has really been my first proper introduction to Galactus, which 
Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, and that might be a little unfortunate given he's taken on this entirely new role. Like, I knew about Galactus. I knew kind of what he was about and that he's this cosmic entity that destroys planets, but I'd never really read anything with him. Um, That's pretty much what there is to know about Galactus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's kind of interesting seeing this new dynamic where he's like, oh, I'm the life bringer now and I'm really happy with this. And um, so that's cool. I I feel like despite the fact that I I do like it, a lot of the notes that I took of of things I want to talk about seem like criticisms, which is unfortunate, (laughs) but (laughs) it is what it is. Um, Yeah. I feel like Black Panther seems a little out of place on the team. Like I I can see it. It's not entirely clear why he's there and it also generally seems like he should have other things to be doing because he's the king of Wakanda and he's kind of constantly reminding you of that. That's tr- that's true. Black Panther does seem like he's way too busy for this shit. Yeah, and and also like he doesn't necessarily have any skills or abilities that even qualify him to be part of the team. Well, one thing that they don't really go into as much, and they probably should, they kind of expect you to know about the character that is that he is a brilliant scientist. Okay. Uh, and I think that's why he's on the team because he is the same kind of level of, of brilliant mind as like uh you know blue marvel or captain oh, marvel okay um well i haven't and, i haven't seen any of that then because right I've, they I've don't read, really show that i've i've read all 10 issues I've, and i've definitely this is also my first introduction to blue marvel and i've definitely seen plenty of him doing science right. things but haven't really seen that with black panther yeah i think black panther's justification for being on the team is that he's a sciencey guy but i don't think that's how al ewing the writer is treating him i think he treats him as the philosophical devil's advocate uh contrasting captain marvel captain marvel is all like we have to do whatever it takes to save the future now and black panther is there to sort of be the antithesis to everyone's sort of headstrong approach uh, which I do like, and I do, and that's one of my favorite things about Black Panther in the book is I feel like Black Panther is very consistent with how he behaves in the Black Panther ongoing and in other Marvel titles, where he is the sort of strong-headed, uh, philosophical kind of person uh, out of all of them, while at the same time. A king, and so you know he has that whole thing where he tells Blue Marvel like Anti Man needs to be executed. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He has this just this very surly attitude of like uh, being kind of above everything that's happening. Well, to be fair, his entire country was just kind of destroyed by the Atlanteans, so he's probably not in the best place right now. Okay. Yeah, I guess is that something I'm gonna find out more about once I get more into uh, his his solo series. Yeah, the solo series picks up after that. It's kind of in the wake of basically Namor and the Atlanteans uh, sort of devastated Wakanda, and then Thanos and his Black Order also devastated Wakanda. So like Wakanda has been pretty destroyed like multiple times in the last year and a half. Okay. Yeah, because I, so. I, I've read the first issue, and it's been a couple weeks now since I was reading it, but I was a little disoriented coming into it because it's just kind of like I don't really know the character or his history, and right. it's like he's the king, but everybody seems to not like him very much, and they're like attacking him, and I'm like, what 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 is going on? So I think what you need to know is just that Wakanda is in a state of a lot of unrest because of the attacks on it. Okay. So there have been these significant attacks on Wakanda. A lot of Wakandans have died, and as a result, I think the Wakandans are starting to kind of lose faith in Black Panther's leadership. Okay. Um, especially since he's always out all the time, you know, with the Avengers and the Ultimates and, you know, fighting crime in other places other than Wakanda. Okay. And then, you know, so, my, I think, so my other thing with this team is just that, and it kind of goes back to what I'm saying about Black Panther, is like there is mm-hmm. so much hubris on this team. It's, oh it's, yeah, it's mind numbing sometimes. And it's, it's made kind of more apparent and almost kind of funny when the characters are being constantly juxtaposed with these massive cosmic entities and, and 
these huge forces like Galactus and Eternity, and then there's uh, Chaos and Order, and then there's mm-hmm. Molecule Man, and it kind of shows you just how, even though these guys are all like superheroes and have these amazing abilities, they're actually pretty small and pretty meaningless in the grand scheme of things. Uh, yeah, like there's that whole issue where like their whole goal is to go outside of the time stream to analyze the damage to the time stream. And as soon as they get out of it, everything breaks. Right. Like they're like, oh, shit, we didn't actually prepare well enough for this. And Galactus has to save them. Right. And he's basically like, you came out here with nothing but a, a ship made of steel. Yeah. I'm Galactus and <laughs> I can't even do this for long. Yeah. He's like, you guys are a bunch of idiots. You're yeah. not, you're not whatever you, whatever you think this is, it's not, I'm taking you home. Well, and then even in the most recent issue, uh, that the man in the shadows or whatever makes this commentary where he's like, I thought this was a team with no leaders, which means everybody thinks they're right. The leader. Yeah. And it's kind of like, and, and that's the thing is like, even after that, that, uh, experience where Galactus saves them and it should be very humbling, it's still kind of like. I don't know what he was talking about. We're awesome. You know, (laughs) we're the ultimates. I mean, it's in the name. Yeah. So, I mean, like Captain Marvel is, is probably the worst of them in that regard. She's also going through all the civil war two stuff, which is also painting her in the same light where like, she's being very headstrong and maybe not making the best decisions. Yeah. So those, those are my kind of like, I wouldn't even call them complaints, but just things that I'm like, stop it, you know, with, with the characters. But, uh, right. Overall, I, I like the characters. I, I really like Miss America. She's really cool. Well, and I think that's, I, I, that I forgot. That's what I was going to say is that Miss America, she's first of all, one of my favorite Marvel heroes, and I'm so happy she's included on this team. Um, but I think as you're saying, like, they're so filled with all this hubris and they're trying to tackle these things and they're going up against eternity and chaos and order and stuff like that. But, as the series wears on, I think it's getting more and more apparent that Miss America is the only one that that really has any idea what they're actually doing. Uh, yeah, she seems she's the only one that's been to the other, who's been to countless other dimensions. Like she tells them when they're trying to fix the time stream, she's like, "No, I've been there. I've been to dimensions." But then where it's like they do that. It they're always work. they're always kind of like writing her off as like, "Oh, you're just a kid," you know? Yeah, and like I think in the very first issue, Spectrum is like, "You're just a kid," and Miss America's like, I have more years of experience at this than you do. Yeah. I've been doing this like since I was six years old. Uh, and then finally in this most recent issue, she just picks up a chair and beats the shit out of everybody. Yeah. And then Spectrum comes at her and she like teleports her to another dimension. Right. Uh, that was amazing. So yeah, I really loved that moment because she's like probably, I think the most sympathetic character on the team. And she kind of was just like, you know what? I'm going to put you in your place right now. I think one of the themes that this is going to build to is that you've got these, you know, big heroes trying to solve the unsolvable problems. And I think it's going to turn out, you know, that's all going to bite them in the ass, you know, with Thanos escaping now and the anti-man escaping. I think what they're going to realize is that everything they've been building to has been too much. Right. Uh, And Miss America is going to be really the person who was sort of on top of things all along and going to be kind of the real hero of this. Uh, This is another story that's ending in two issues, but then we'll pick up right away with Ultimates 2. Okay. So this current story will probably wrap up in the next two issues, but then it's going to continue everything that's kind of been going on with these same characters uh, uh, pretty much right away. Okay. So do Um, uh, do you have a spiel on... To, to help me understand what I just read 10 issues of? Uh, I'm trying to... So I have all these, like, summaries. So there's kind of, like, th- a few different stories that have happened. So issue one and issue two has been them. They basically want to solve the problem of Galactus. And the problem is that he is this... He just goes around the universe and he devours planets. And the Earth has successfully staved him off, you know, a couple times, but there's no telling when he's going to come back. So they just want to fix the problem. And they and we get this awesome sort of origin of Galactus story um, where you learn how he became Galactus. And then they go and they turn him into the Lifebringer. Um, I would say probably what's been 
what must have been just nonsense to you were issues five and six. Because issues five and six are kind of all about the ending of Secret Wars, uh, where we see there's in in uh, issue five actually there's kind of a summary of the ending where you see Reed Richards and the Molecule Man and Franklin Richards kind of designing the universe again, um, and uh, then in issue six it's all about Galactus meeting the Molecule Man and they have this very sort of vague uh, philosophical discussion about the myth of Sisyphus and stuff, um, and I'm I'm trying to think how I can explain this. Uh, I guess Molecule Man was sort of like a villain in the Marvel Universe with sort of unlimited power. He basically can control everything on the molecular level. Uh, And in Secret Wars, he's basically what held the new universe together using his powers. He basically, everything that the universe was made of kind of flowed through him. And Reed Richards ended up taking control of everything by getting Molecule Man to turn on Doctor Doom. And so now Molecule Man works with Reed Richards to hold the current universe together. So when Galactus goes and meets Molecule Man, he's he's meeting the very person who basically is holding the universe together with his powers. Um, and so I have a feeling we might see more from the Molecule Man as things go forward. Okay. Um, and, and also he's completely insane. He's been driven insane by the sheer magnitude of his powers. He's a normal human person. He was a scientist that like got these powers through an accident, and they've completely driven him mad. Um, so uh, he is sort of like an insane character. Um, yeah, that's, that's communicated very well through the artwork. Yeah. The artwork, by the way, is... I, the pros of the artwork is that the main artist, whose name I can't remember right now, does such an amazing job with design and like these sort of weird uh, fragmentation kind of designs uh, when it gets into like a lot of the cosmic stuff. The negative is that when they have a stand-in artist, it's painfully obvious. As soon as it switches to any artist other than the core artist, it's such a complete 180 that's a little disoriented yeah i've noticed some switcheroos in there yeah and the other artists aren't necessarily bad but the the main artist who i've got to look up now uh he just embodies sort of the this the entire atmosphere of this series so well that as soon as he's gone you know kenneth rockefort is his name okay uh and he just does such an amazing job that anyone else uh it's just a little disorienting. Sure. Do you have any specific questions about things that were going on? Oh gosh. No, not really. It's 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 all so much. It's all so heavy and overwhelming. Um, I mean, ha- if it I helps, this to... is basically a a crash course in uh, the yeah. details of the Marvel universe. Like you'll you'll uh, get acclimated to a lot of the larger stuff real fast now. I think maybe for next episode, maybe I'll go back through and take some notes on questions that I want to ask and things I'd, I'd like to see uh, clarified a little bit. Yeah. Oh, one call out I wanted to make was issue nine, which is this kind of self-contained story about this creature called the Infinaut. I loved this issue. It's basically just yeah, this I, one I like issue. That too. And, I, and I, it was cool because I kind of understood what was going on. <laughs> Yeah, well, because that was that's not anything based on any prior Marvel stuff, as far as I know. This was all self-contained, and it's about like this creature, this like cosmic creature that comes to the Earth every few years, and every time he does, if he's allowed to actually make passage, he'll destroy the Earth. Uh, but this time, they get prepared for him, and it turns out he's just an explorer who has been trying to just make contact. Which Blue with Marvel the Earth. apparently knew that somehow. Yeah, and I don't remember. I don't remember how, but yeah, uh, it doesn't seem like it's ever clarified, like how he even started this, because he's taken it upon himself to make sure each time that the Infinite doesn't destroy the Earth, which is kind right, of right. Like, I get that, but like, how did he figure out that the Infinite was coming in the first place? Well, and that that has to do with Civil War too. That's that's Ulysses, the Inhuman, who can see the future. Basically, he had a vision of the future where the Infinite came back. And so this time, Blue Marvel was like, oh, now we know exactly when and where he's coming. We can prepare better. But I mean, like, the first time, like, when they show you that flashback where Blue Marvel is up on the cliff with his son and they've got that gun thing and they're like, oh, he's manifesting. We got to zap him. Uh, Yeah. How did he know that that was going to happen? 
Um, I'm trying to see. I feel like it's probably some pseudoscience stuff about energy readings. Yeah, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm sure, like, if you ask the writer, he'd give you some kind of long-winded explanation, but it's never really clarified yeah. in the book. Yeah. So I kind of had assumed that there was some backstory there in in other books that I just didn't know about. I don't think there is, but, uh, okay. you know, I would... I that's as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, also the divine design of the infinite was really cool, very like colorful and. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I I will uh, probably keep reading Ultimates, even uh, it's hesitantly. I think we should maybe try to do an episode where we we go more in depth on explaining a lot of it. Yeah. But I feel and like I it, feel like it, it's going to take so long. I think it's going to get easier from here on out. I feel like. At this point, it's just going to be a lot of developing the plot threads they've already introduced. So hopefully it won't be a lot of like new stuff that you yeah. don't know what's going on, just kind of developing what's already been set up. Right. So that leaves us with one more book, which is Batman number five, right? Correct. And I understand you've been mostly pretty much enjoying Batman. I have. It's, you know... uh I know there was an I, I issue admit, that you didn't like very much. Yeah, I think it was issue number three. And I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, issue number three was the good one. Issue number three, I think, is one of the best Batman comics I've ever read. It was issue number four where I was like, wow, that's now one of the worst. Um, <laughs> Just because it came after number three, which you really liked, and then it was yeah, kind, of, kind of a letdown. Uh, it's been a really great story. It's been this awesome story arc about these new characters, Gotham and Gotham Girl. Um, I assume they're new characters, yes. it seems to be. Yes. Um, and issue three does this awesome job of giving like this origin of that's similar to Bruce Wayne's origin where you know they were attacked, but they were they end up saved by Batman. And so the kids are inspired to be like Batman, and yeah. they go and they get superpowers and they come back. I thought it was really it sort of does the best of what Batman comics do, which is sort of use Gotham as like this metaphor for all of humanity and then see how that applies to specific residents within Gotham. It just sort of tied everything together in a really organic way. And then issue four, it was like everything happened in exposition. So much stuff happened in issue four with Gotham sort of going insane and getting corrupted by the pirate. I, I don't know who that character is really. Um, but everything was told in retrospect. It was like Batman walks in and finds all these bodies, and then it's just like 20 pages of explaining what had happened. Yeah, I um, don't really understand I, the the whole psycho pirate thing. They didn't do a great job of making that clear. And I think this has been, I think, a very cool and satisfying Batman story, but it felt really rushed. And I don't know if it's because it's bi-weekly, so it's just, you know within two months we've been through five issues. And so it seems like it's moving really fast, but I feel like while they've given like Batman and Gotham girl, a lot of room to breathe, they didn't really develop this psycho pirate stuff. They didn't really develop what happened to Gotham to make him go crazy. And so now when we get to this issue, which is really well paced and really good. And it's just sort of like Batman show and a showdown with Gotham with the rest of the justice league the issue itself is really great, but it feels like we rushed to get here. Okay. That's, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but I, I'm really loving this series. Like, I think Tom King is doing a really good job, and I'm sure he's going to find his groove. Uh, it's just interesting that I have pacing issues when Vision by him is so deliberately and well-paced, you know, to kind of... It, well, I wasn't really expecting to, to have that. This is his first time writing... Batman books. Yeah. He just signed an exclusive deal with DC, so he's only going to be working DC for the next few years. Oh, okay. Yeah. I do love the part with Alfred in the bat suit. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, I was going to uh, talk if, about that too. That was that was if really a little good. weird. It, it was, was a little weird that like Batman would have him risk his life, like, hey, go like threaten Gotham to his face. Hope you don't get killed before I get there. Well, I think it's a good uh example of how far Bruce is willing to go or how far Batman is willing to go to protect Gotham because that really, he was just in a bind where that was his only option was to send Alfred and Alfred was willing to do it. Um, And Alfred did it. Yeah. 
and it was it was it was pretty funny. It shows you just how uh, how much they both care about what they're doing to protect Gotham. And and when you're seeing Alfred in the cowl uh, with his little mustache and his puny little yeah. arms and legs and, and <laughs> staring down this super powered uh, hero turned villain. And, and saying I'm Batman, and he's he's like no yeah. you, no you're not, and uh, and, <laughs> yeah, that, and then that's Batman a really great and then Batman actually shows up, and Alfred just runs. Uh, <laughs> that was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I I thought this issue this issue standalone was really great, and it it looks like they're developing some really great stuff. I mean, there's all that voiceover at the end where Gotham Girl is like basically says that she's going to end up killing Bruce. Uh, and marrying Duke. Um, yeah, I, I, so I was really unclear on what she was talking about, but I, I had to read it again. Uh, I, I kind of went through it earlier today, actually, and it, I was like, okay, so I think she's talking about she's going to marry Duke, which kind of makes sense because you see them have a little connection, uh, and there seems to be some chemistry there. But then she just kind of throws it out there, you know, this, is, uh, this was where it all began, the origin of Gotham Girl and the death of Batman, and it's like, okay, yeah. am I supposed to understand what you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's just setting up the next arc. You know, it says the next arc is called Gotham Girl Year One, so we're definitely kind of gonna like, get a lot more Gotham Girl. I'm kind of like, can we please not have another story where Batman fake dies? Because we we literally like just did that. I don't know if you know, but uh, in New Fifty Two, there was a really a pretty good Joker story arc where, um, spoiler alert for, for, uh, that story arc, I think it was called Endgame in new 52. Um, mm-hmm. but Batman and the Joker end up dying together at the end of the story arc, uh, right near one of the Lazarus pits and Joker is like trying to crawl to it. And Batman is like stopping him. And then he's like, I'm just going to lay here and die with my friend basically. Um, because he kind of goes through this whole weird revelation about him and the Joker being uh, bound together and kind of like tied together in this weird way. And uh, and then they both lay there and die. And then Jim Gordon becomes the new Batman in this weird kind of goofy-looking mech suit. And so there was that whole thing. And then obviously... Oh, that, yeah, he, with the, like the bunny ears. Yeah. I remember when that happened. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really read any of those because I was just like, yeah, I'm good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then obviously Batman came back and I just really don't feel like doing another, Oh, Batman is dead. Let's pretend we believe it for a few months. It does seem really soon after the, like the big rebirth launch to be killing Batman. Yeah. So I'm pretty annoyed by that. Like I'm trying, although to it does up- sound like it happens like years in the future. Like, I don't know how soon we're actually going to get to this. Cause it says, uh, Duke and I, we'd come here once a year on the anniversary of my brother's death to take time to remember, you know, uh, and it says, it says after we were married, after Bruce died. So, I mean, Gotham girl and Duke just met. So this is theoretically sometime in the future, but it seems like, I mean, if he's teasing it now, it's either going to happen too soon or he's teasing it too early. Well, also, the thing about Gotham Girl is that she has now revealed that uh, using her powers actually eats into her lifespan. So, Which I thought was really cool. I thought that was a really cool idea yeah. for Gotham and Gotham Girl. Yeah, I like that too. I'm wondering if it's going to relate at all to what's happening in uh, New Superman. Have you been reading New Superman at all? No, but I definitely want to pick it up. I've heard good things. It's about this Chinese kid. Yeah. Uh, it all takes place in China. It's about this Chinese kid who gets picked by this government organization and given Superman powers. And you find out that there's also like this Chinese Batman and a Chinese Wonder Woman, and they're so, trying to build their own Justice League. Have you read any of it? Yeah, I, I've been keeping up on it. Okay, so are his powers actually comparable to the Superman? They are, but he... But there seems to be, like, uncertainty on when he can use them. Like, he ends up using them for a minute, and then he loses all his powers, and then they come back. And so I think it's going to be, like, where he does have Superman powers, but they're very unreliable, or he needs to learn how to use them or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, To, To me, it's a little weird to think that the Chinese government figured out how to give somebody 
Kryptonian powers because that's kind of right. Like, I feel like that just sort of breaks the DC universe. I don't think it's going to be end up being as powerful as Superman, but I'm wondering if it relates at all to whatever means Gotham and Gotham Girl got their powers by. Okay. Um, I, I I'm wondering if that's maybe me asking for a little bit too much continuity out of the DC universe. It doesn't seem to always work that way where the titles all tie in like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Fingers crossed. Fan uh, but, theory. But what I was going to say about Gotham girl and the, the nature of her powers that, uh, you know, for those who haven't read it, basically the, the more she utilizes her powers, uh, the, the more it cuts into her life. So the way they explain it is like, they could be ordinary for a few decades or uh, Superman level for a, a couple years, or they could be gods for a couple hours. And I say they because this applies to both Gotham Girl and her brother Gotham, um, who is the Gotham's the one who goes crazy and Batman has to fight him. Uh, so it's kind of like, how long is she going to actually be around? And if she is going to be around for a long time, how is she going to actually do anything? So I'm right. I'm kind of eager to see where they go with that. I think there's probably going to be this whole thing where uh, she goes through a story arc and at the end of it, she gets to just have her powers without it killing her. I, and maybe Yeah, one thing I don't want to see is I don't want to see her just be the depowered wife of Duke. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I don't want that I don't, at all. I don't want, yeah. I don't want her to just end up being Lois Lane. I mean, if know? they if they do that, I guess like fine. I'll I'll be open minded about it. But I would much prefer to see her continue to be a more active character. Um, yeah, and I think me too. just maybe they're waiting to kind of see like how popular she is before they decide if they want to give her you know unlimited powers that she doesn't have to like try to use sparingly. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm definitely open to her being a being a character that sticks around because I really like the backstory and I, I like the fact that she basically had to had to kill her brother at the end. I mean, it's all just like pretty tragic yeah. and and impactful. And uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of attached to her now. Yeah, I when I when they first appeared at the end of issue one, I was like, oh, great. Who the fuck are these guys? Yeah, I was not. I was like, I wanted to just read a Batman story. Who the fuck are Gotham and Gotham girl? But then like by the time issue three came around and they gave their origin, I was like, oh, no, I actually really care about these two. Yeah, I was pretty much the same way. So, like, props to Tom King for, like, making me do a total 180 on those characters. Well, and, and props to, yeah, props to him for inventing a couple of new characters that I'm actually ready to accept into the DC universe. And yeah. know, I, I have a feeling we may even see Gotham, you know, come back to life because, you know, comic books. Yeah, because comic books. Well, cool. I think... That uh, that wraps up our uh, sort of in-depth discussion on this week's issues. Um, so now we're going to go on to our final segment. Uh, I know it's getting pretty uh, pretty late in the podcast here, but uh, this is a segment called Topics, where basically each one of us just picks a topic uh, that we're really passionate about right now. It can be comic book related. It can be uh, anything, really. Um and uh, we just kind of talk about it and share with you guys why we're invested in it and why it's uh, worth checking out. I want to make a song for topics eventually. Ooh, nice. So my topic for today, because uh, it's summer crossover season in comic books, uh, I want to talk about Civil War II a little bit uh, because it's impacting very definitely the books that you're reading right now. So I wanted to fill you in a little bit. This is going to have spoilers for Civil War II. A lot of big stuff has happened in Civil War II. So if you don't want spoilers for that, stop or skip ahead or something because I'm going to talk about it. Uh, so Civil War II is a crossover I was very, very skeptical of. And I actually still am. I'm waiting to see how it all turns out. Uh, but essentially, it's very clearly a cash grab tie-in with Civil War, the movie. Um you know, uh, Civil War, when it came out in 2006, was a huge comic book crossover that now, in retrospect, a lot of people have some very complicated feelings on. A lot of people actually, uh, that 
probably liked it when it was going on have have come to to dislike it a lot. I remember liking it a lot when it's it always, happened, but I haven't always, read it since. It's always funny when that happens, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth from the first Civil War these days. Um, and this one I, I was especially not excited about because they had said in like interviews and stuff, they were like, yeah, we basically had this writer's retreat, you know, like last November or something where they just came up with the idea and then they were like, cool, we're doing it this summer, you know? So like it was a very quick kind of turnaround time for it. It's being written by Brian Michael Bendis, who I am very hot and cold on these days. Um, and also, I just wasn't that into the the notion of it. So the, the basic conceit of the original Civil War uh, was, of course, the Superhuman Registration Act. Uh, all superheroes must reveal their identities and register with the government. Um, this time, the Civil War is about this inhuman, uh, and we'll talk about inhumans on a future podcast and what's going on with them in the Marvel Yeah, I, universe, I still but. don't understand what inhumans are. I, for all intents and purposes, consider them the new mutants. Uh, Ooh, okay. Oh yeah, we were going to talk about we were going to talk about X Men too. We got to do that. Soon. Episode two. We're going to talk about what happened to the X Men. I mean, um, maybe we're going to maybe talk about that. We got a lot. We'll of things. talk about it at some point. We, we got a lot of things we're talking about talking about for episode two. Right. So we're we'll gonna... we'll get to that at some episode. Uh, think of the Inhumans as like normal people who all of a sudden develop powers. Uh, this is just a kid who finds out that he has the ability to see the future. And so That's the U- war Ulysses, div- yes. U- Ulysses, yeah. Uh, so Captain Marvel sees this uh, as a huge opportunity to prevent crimes before they happen. That's sort of her goal with the Ultimates is to prevent cosmic problems before there it's too late to stop them. It's kind of her thing with Alpha Flight is to take care of, you know, intergalactic threats before they reach Earth. Her whole thing is like she doesn't she wants to save people no matter the cost and so if she can stop it before it happens, that's the way to do it. Uh, and so she's all for using Ulysses to stop crimes before they happen. And Iron Man is on the other side of this saying, "No, you can't convict someone before they've committed a crime, uh, that it's profiling, um, that it is, it's not how justice works. Well, and also Um, there's no way to really know that what Ulysses says is reliable. Right. And so one of the things that's been developing, who's to say that Ulysses doesn't decide, Hey, that guy stole my girlfriend. I'm pretty sure I just had a vision of him murdering Captain America. And that's exactly actually Iron Man's point. And uh, so when I first heard about this this premise, I was I was like, I'm not really that into it. There's already the Minority Report. There's already like movies on this subject. Yeah, and I was gonna say that uh, too about Ultimates. Is it's kind of like, oh yeah, let's tread this ground again of of preventing crimes before they happen, breaking right, breaking into these cutting edge new concepts. And so. The lead up to Civil War Two, also, I was really uh, underwhelmed by. Like, it seemed to all just kind of come out of nowhere. This Ulysses stuff, and all of a sudden, just escalate really high. But I will say, as it's been going on, I have come to really like it. Uh, let me walk you through sort of what's happened. Uh, the whole conflict starts. Uh, do you remember in the Ultimates? when uh, they fight Thanos. Thanos comes to Earth, and they fight him, and uh, War Machine is killed. Yeah, uh, and I feel like they that, didn't really do that fight justice, but yeah, I, I do remember. Well, part of the reason for that is part of it. Part of that fight is in the Ultimates, and the other part is in Civil War II. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a shared event. It's the kickoff of Civil War II is they go to stop Thanos because of this vision, and Rhodey is killed. And Rhodey, of course... Uh, Tony Stark's best friend, but also Captain Marvel's lover. And I don't know if you knew that, but War Machine and Captain Marvel have been sort of on-again, off-again lovers for for a few years now. So for him to die, it's devastating for both of them. Um, So then that's where this rift kind of starts. So that makes a Uh, lot of sense that that's a crossover thing because I felt like there were things that we're just kind of left hanging in ultimates like iron man shows yeah. up and he's all pissed off and he's like you know where where are the ultimates and uh he and that picks up in civil war he II. apparently blames captain marvel for rody's death but then it's like that never really comes back to like yeah uh resolve itself so 
So that's the big weakness of Civil War II and the weakness of all of these giant industry crossovers is that if you're only reading one book, you're not getting the full story, okay. which sucks for people that are, that you know, you're, you're buying comic books every every month and you're spending all this money on it and now you're being told that like oh if you actually want to understand what's going on in this book you read you have to buy these other books too yeah uh but that's a topic for another time it's the big trend in comic books for the last decade and it sucks but i will say that this has been reading uh, all of the different tie-ins has been very very rewarding for this because there's a lot of stuff going on spread across the entire Marvel universe. It's been really interesting. The Captain Marvel book is sort of taking, is sort of looking at like sort of the practical application of this. The most recent issue is her and Black Panther, uh, Black Panther being very critical of, of Captain Marvel going through like how they are testing Ulysses theories and how they are making sure to work with international governments to prevent these things and all this kind of stuff. Uh, the Iron Man books are taking a look at how this is like very personally affecting Tony and how he's kind of losing his grip trying to deal with this um, and the death of his friend and everything else going on in his life. So if you do read all the books, I think Civil War II is very rewarding, but I think if you're reading just one of them, it's not. Uh, so the other big thing that happens in Civil War II um, in issue three is that he has a vision of the Hulk killing tons of people, Ulysses. He has this vision of the Hulk, uh, Bruce Banner, murdering superheroes, killing people in, I think, New York or something. And so they go to confront Bruce Banner. Uh, Now, uh, if you don't know, Bruce Banner has been cured of the Hulk by uh, Amadeus Cho, so he doesn't have any gamma in him anymore. Uh, But they go to confront Bruce, and Bruce admits that he has been experimenting with gamma again. Uh, but that he hasn't turned into the Hulk. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an arrow goes through Bruce Barrow's head, or Bruce Banner's head, and he dies. Bruce Banner just gets killed. And that was Hawkeye. Uh, right. And it was Hawkeye. Because they mentioned that and in Ultimates, and I didn't know anything about it. So Hawkeye comes down and says that Bruce Banner, when he started experimenting with Gamma again, gave Hawkeye this Gamma arrow and told him that if he ever thought he was going to turn again to kill him. And uh, so Hawkeye didn't want to kill Banner, but he was following through on a promise he made because apparently he sees like a flicker of green in Banner's eyes. And so he kills him. Hawkeye goes on trial and he is acquitted of the murder, mostly because uh, the jury sides with him. They think the Hulk was a menace. They think, you know, they know that he's, the Hulk has killed hundreds of people that, you know, they actually feel betrayed by the Avengers for protecting the Hulk for so long. And so the public sides with Hawkeye, the jury, jury sides with Hawkeye, and they let him go. Um, and uh, so there's been a lot of high stakes. You know, we've got War Machine dead. We've got Bruce Banner dead. We've got Hawkeye on trial for murder. Lots of big events happening. But what's really been interesting is what you were getting at, which is like, how do we know that Ulysses' own prejudices aren't getting in the way? So Iron Man starts to do some research on how Ulysses' powers work. And what he finds out is that basically Ulysses' body takes in information from news media, from print magazines, from energy in the air. It basically consumes all of the information around him and uses algorithms, sort of like these deeply embedded algorithms to predict the future. But that means that it's not certain he's just taking in information from the world around him and that information can be biased or it can or be it could be manipulated right by it can be manipulated somebody who wants to, somebody who wants him to see something that you know what, whatever they want him to see exactly and so now that tony's kind of proved this he comes to captain marvel with this and says hey look you know, this is how it works and it's not reliable and Captain Marvel wants to do it anyway. And so you'll remember in in this most recent issue of The Ultimates, they confront this woman with this briefcase. Yeah. Uh, and the briefcase ends up being empty. And apparently that briefcase was supposed to hold like a miniature black hole or something like that. Well, that picks up a, again. It, it transfers over from Ultimates to Civil War II. And in the pages of Civil War II, they arrest this woman with the briefcase until Nightcrawler teleports in and saves her. Uh, 
And it turns out, you know, Nightcrawler is working with Iron Man and it's leading up to this big showdown on the shield helicarrier between all the people on Iron Man's side, all the people on Captain Marvel's side. So it looks like next issue we're going to get a lot of fighting. Uh, But so far it's been a lot of kind of just philosophizing on this issue. And it's been a lot more interesting than I expected it to be. It's been a lot more multifaceted than I expected it to be. But unfortunately, I don't know if I can recommend it unless you're reading everything. Okay. I think if you're reading just the core book, you'll get the large strokes of it. I think this was a big criticism of the original Civil War too. was that the core book has a lot of the big action pieces, but if you want to get into what this story is really about, you got to look in the individual books like Captain Marvel, Invincible Iron Man, um, uh, Captain America. Um, and I just don't think that's that's an option for a lot of people who can't afford to be buying every single Marvel book. Well, yeah, and, and people who don't really have time to read yeah. every single Marvel book. And, you know, people that would be jumping into these series cold and then be lost because while they know what's going on in Civil War II, they don't know what's going on with Alpha Flight and the rest of Captain Marvel's stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think the entire team at Marvel is really taking this in stride for such sort of a, a last-minute crossover idea. Um, and I am really enjoying it. There's a lot there, but I would say maybe wait until the paperbacks come out that sort of, you know, encapsulate everything instead of just individual series. So will that, that'll be a thing where you can just buy sort of like a mashup of different books that, that will actually tell the whole narrative. I don't remember if they, if they still do that all the time. I know though that usually you can do that digitally. Like you can hop on like the Marvel app or something and it will just lay out like, all of the the tie-ins together and you can just kind of buy them together i think and read them straight through okay um yeah but uh but it is it is good and that's you know if if you're not caught up on civil war ii that's the broad strokes of what's happening uh it remains to be seen what's gonna what's gonna go on with ulysses uh there's some teasers if you look at you know the the solicitations for Marvel's fall lineup of like what the ramifications of this might be, but I'm not going to go into those kind of spoilers because they're all just kind of speculation at this point. Okay. So, uh, what's your topic? Uh, okay. So I kind of already touched on suicide squad, the, the movie a little bit ago, not really going to talk about it because it's been done to death. And by now I think everybody's made up their minds except of course you, because you haven't seen it. I haven't Uh, seen it. Um, but I just want to say, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of flack being thrown at, I mean, actually everybody who was involved in this production. Um, but I think the most undeserving of the people involved in the movie that, that have been getting a lot of hate on the web and so forth have been the actors in the film. Uh, and in particular, Jared Leto for his portrayal of the Joker. Um, and I, th- I feel that it is entirely undeserved and I just so you know I've actually spent some time online trying to find an address that I can send fan mail to Jared Leto because (laughs) I feel like he he must be feeling so uh betrayed right now and I mean it's pretty I mean I will say I I am not on the Jared Leto bandwagon not because of his performance which I haven't seen but because of all the reports of him being a dick to to everyone on set. Okay, so uh, so here's my thing on that is that I th- I understand that he was a little over the top in his preparation for that role, but let's also keep in mind the legacy of that role, the fact that Heath Ledger did it. He was pretty method with the whole thing, to be honest. Not to the same extent that Jared Leto was, but right. he did. Um, do some crazy things like staying in a motel for weeks at a time, uh, trying to get into character and, uh, kept a Joker diary and, you know, who knows what other sick shit he did in that motel. Um, and obviously gave an incredible and legendary performance followed immediately by his death. So I think that Jared Leto was taking that role very seriously and I think he wanted to do it justice and and do justice to the legacy left behind by it Uh, because the Joker is obviously such an iconic character and there's so much attachment to his uh, film adaptations so um, I just want to say to Jared Leto 
because I assume he's listening. Oh, uh, definitely. From the bottom of my heart, I really thought he did a good job. Uh, I think that the shortcomings of his performance can really be chalked up to the way it was edited, the fact that they cut things out. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I really liked his Joker. And I think there's been so much hate uh, just based on some of the style choices, like the tattoos, the grill, uh, his wacky suits, which, you know, I enjoyed. Uh, you know, I'm not the type of comic book fan who gets upset about those types of reinterpretations or changes to characters. Yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting, and I don't want to just be told the same story over and over again. Um, so, you know, I, I wish that you had seen the movie so we could talk a little bit about Jared Leto's performance. But I since, plan on it. I'm going to see it. Since you haven't, uh, I guess that's really mostly all I'm going to say is that I think he's he's been catching a lot of hell for the fact that he went so headfirst into the role with all his weird method acting, which he already has a history of. He's always been kind of that, the method actor type. Um, and he's been pretty widely mocked for uh, all the press that he got and sending weird gifts to his cast, cast other ca- cast members and, uh, and, and doing all this stuff to get into the role. And then it turned out he had like, I don't know what it was, like 11 minutes or something of screen time. So people yeah. are kind of like making fun of him for it. And he's obviously very upset and he has publicly stated his uh, feelings of disappointment and betrayal by the studio. And uh, I don't I, I just don't want him to have to feel that way. I think it's a I think it's an awful shame. I will say uh, that even in a lot of the bad reviews I read of Suicide Squad, a lot of people have been heaping a lot of praise on Will Smith. Yeah. I saw a lot of them that were like, Will Smith does what he can, you know, and he brings, you know, a lot of charm. To be uh, honest, I think all the actors, to it. I think all the actors were quite good. Yeah, Margot Robbie looks like she does a great job. I mean, Margot Robbie is just a great actress in general. Um, and uh, can't wait to see her in more stuff. She seems to be getting the most praise, which I think is funny because, I mean, to me personally, she was probably my least favorite in the movie. So She I'm, seems to be... It seems like Margot Robbie's been getting the most praise while Harley Quinn has been getting the most criticism, which I think is really interesting. It, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I've been seeing a lot of articles praising Margot Robbie's performance, but that the character of Harley Quinn as depicted in this movie is very problematic. Um, yeah. And that Margot Robbie's skills deserve better than how Harley Quinn is portrayed, um, which I think is, is, is really interesting. Usually, like, the, the character and the actor go hand in hand with either praise or dismissal. Yeah. And in this case, it's like... Well, the actress is doing a great job, but the character is not living up to the actress. I'm going to ha- I'm going to agree with that. I don't think they wrote Harley Quinn very well in this movie. Yeah. I, d- I I think she was utilized pretty poorly. That is one thing I will say. And, and and I'm not laying that on Margot Robbie at all. I think she did absolutely the best that she could have done. I think they just Right. It feels like she was written by people who didn't really understand her and they were just like, Oh, she's really pretty and she's crazy. And (laughs) like, that's it. Right. Uh, Oh, and she can fight, you know? I mean, like they, she's very two dimensional. I feel. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I liked Will Smith as Deadshot. He's just, as I've heard people put it as just, you know, it's Will Smith, Will Smith and around, uh, he's kind (laughs) of just, he's kind of just doing the classic Will Smith thing, which is fine. Uh, it's a little disappointing to me because I love Deadshot so much as I talked about earlier. Right. Um, but, and he's not, he's not Deadshot really as, as we know from the comics, but He's still fun, um, but I I just thought Jared Leto's Joker was really compelling and really weird, and and uh, I really would have liked to see more of to have seen more of him. And Jared Leto has even said things about that uh, there was so much footage that was shot that wasn't used in the film that yeah there could have probably been a Joker movie. And I'm kind of like, yes, I want that. I want the Joker <laughs> movie because that would have been better than the movie that we got. I'm sure. Right. 
So I really hope he does stick around. I mean, I, I think he's contractually obligated to do so. But he's been so he's said so many negative things about the way about the experience and that he feels he was tricked into doing it that if ever there was a time when an actor might want to break their contract, I don't even know how feasible that is, but if it is feasible, yeah. he's probably looking at doing it because he's had a really bad experience and has been getting a lot of uh, ridicule over the whole thing and i I really feel for him, yeah. Well, we'll have to do a revisiting of this uh, once I've seen it, and we'll have uh, another discussion about it. Yeah, we could talk a little bit about it. That sounds sounds like fun. Sounds like a romp. Yeah. Well, I think that will do it for uh, this week of Pretty Much Obsessed. Um, we will hopefully see you guys again in two weeks. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll... Uh, this is Pretty Much Obsessed, signing off. Thanks, folks. See ya.